All right, from scratch, this time, this is our very first time doing this. I'm Daniel. I'm Tommy. Hey, guys. I'll be your host. And uh, wow, Tommy, I was going to introduce you, but I guess you just just go ahead and introduce yourself. I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fourth time we try to start this episode of the podcast. It, I don't know why you're here either. It really is. <laughs> and you know what? I don't think we even established what the question asked, but that's okay. We're going to keep going because let's do it. We have a great podcast in store for you today. I think. Hey, you know, last, last episode, you did ask me a question. You asked me what was my favorite episode. You asked me what was my favorite TV show, obviously mm-hmm. the office, but I feel like you can't say that the office is your favorite TV show and not say what your favorite episode is because true. it divides people. Well, you can also f- fill a person out by what their favorite episode is. Yeah. But you have like, you know, PRC and ARC, you have that pre-Robert California okay. group and the after-Robert <laughs> right. California group. Um, I'm definitely PRC. Yeah. Like, I don't hate Robert California. Right. He was cool, but, you know, whatever. Like, definitely Michael is the way to go all day long. Oh, absolutely. So what was your favorite episode? Mine was, uh, I mean, like, there's so many that I just go back to. Um, I probably have, like, a top five. Yeah. And it depends on the mood that I'm in. Um, and so, Duh. like, they can just swap around auto, just depending on what's happening. Dinner party is hands down my favorite for lots of reasons. Um, n- nothing even comes close to that episode. I don't know Kay. what it is. Here's my question about dinner party. How did they not, they not call them jandals? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the showrunners, uh, the writers definitely missed, missed an, an opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that's what they need to spark that show back. And up. if you've never seen The Office, you're not going to get that reference. Nope, you're not. So you need to go watch. What that's probably like like five seasons in, four or five seasons in, something like that. So my favorite episode is the wedding when when Dwight gets married. Dwight and uh, Angela, Angela yeah. getting married. Like, Doangela. Do Angela. I don't. That's not as good as Jandals, but no, um, it's definitely not. Thanks for playing. Um, <laughs> we. Uh, that's my favorite episode. Like where she can't walk. Yeah. <laughs> and Phyllis has to piggyback her down the down the aisle. That's my favorite. And then, uh, yeah, he what was it? Moe's kidnapped her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phyllis was supposed to lock the doors, but she didn't. And Moe's. Oh man. Yeah. I could sit here and talk about that for hours, but I won't because um, nobody wants to hear that. No, we've already wasted eight minutes. We did. I don't. I wouldn't say we wasted eight minutes. So. Um, so you, if you're if you're hearing this weird stuff in the background, Andrew is in my office behind this wall behind us talking, and uh, his voice is like three hundred decibels. <laughs> it like pierces through solid. One material. day his kids are gonna get old enough to get yelled at, and it's oh, gonna be terrifying. Poor kids. It's gonna be terrifying. Oh, poor kids. I just can't. Because he's six five. Oh man, yeah. I, Andrew is very. And he sounds like a freight train. I can't even imagine him yelling though, like. No, because he's so salt. Like, but just, you you know him better than I do. I, I mean, I've he's yelled at me. Hopefully, you've never seen him yell at kids before. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm the size of a kid. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, anybody is when they stand up against Andrew. He's. So, I'm basically a 12 year old in a 15 year old's body. That's that's, <laughs> that's the best Tommy description. Uh, we're gonna put that on the website. Make a note, Justin. Also. So yeah, Tommy, you uh, you're writing a book and. Um, I am. I am very interested. I've heard a little bit about this. This is mind blowing for me for a lot of reasons. Uh, this is gonna be mind blowing for everybody. How you got to where you're going with this book is is crazy. So like you, you're you're into this. Um, tell me a little bit about it. Like what's it called? It has a working title, but for copyright reasons, uh, we don't know if we can use it yet. But so uh, tentatively, Disney don't get oh, mad. Oh yeah. So I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. gonna have to see. Uh, it's called "Got No Strings on Me," 
Um, so it's based on like Pinocchio, right? Mm-hmm. Like the story of Pinocchio. So uh, two and a half years ago, I was in a hotel room in Rochester, New York, where my company was located. Like three in the morning, set straight up in bed. Like, and I have these weird like for people who don't know, I I like lucid dreams. So like I have these very detailed, very like I might as well be awake, vivid dreams. Um, so you just I, go ahead and wake up that I can control. Yeah, and I can like, and so I don't, I don't remember what I was dreaming, but I woke straight up in bed, like set up, and went, "Man, Pinocchio was such a tragedy," and like I just oh like literally that like makes spit, so much sense. Spit the sentence out, and it took me like I, I mean like literally could not go back to sleep. Like was like laying in bed, got up, took a shower, uh, sat down in the little like the hotel room at the little table, and like took out some like you know uh, Hampton Inn paper and like started writing. And, and essentially it came down to like, I, I, ra- I wrap my thoughts around the idea that Pinocchio, Disney's version, I've mm. never read the other one, but the, you know, as a kid from the late seventies, early eighties, the Disney cartoons is all I'd seen. And, uh, and so Pinocchio, I, I just took that story and was thinking about it. And like, here's this being like this kid, Pinocchio, who was made of sticks. He was a walking, talking pile of sticks. Mm. He was a puppet. Um, that was animated, like he was alive. He was really one of one in the universe, completely and singularly a miracle. Yeah. And his highest aim in life was to be a real boy, which is like one of maybe a couple thousand in his little village. Like he just wanted to be average. Yeah. And what a tragedy that, because he gets his dream. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't. <laughs> if you haven't seen Pinocchio, he becomes a real boy. He does become a real boy. Um after like striving to get it in all kinds of different ways, he, he became a real boy and what a tragedy that is. And some of us get our dreams and we realize that like, man, we were dreaming for the wrong things right, all along, yeah. but we were, we were trying to be other people or we were trying to be like other people. And what a tragedy that is to be born unique. Like we all are and be one of one in the universe and then give our entire life's existence towards being someone else being average. Um, what a boring and waste of a life that is. And so Pinocchio, as it stands, it has a happy ending if you watch the movie, but it's <laughs> not a happy ending because he becomes a real boy. Right. Um, but and, you're and, so into it that when you watch the movie. Yeah, you're into it and you're like, oh, he, he became a real boy. He got what he wanted and everybody celebrates it, um, which is another great lesson that sometimes you're going to achieve average and people are going to celebrate and your real friends would know better. Yeah. And so, like, you should crazy. you should evaluate your friends based on who's celebrating when you don't achieve your best. When people are patting you on the back going, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, and you know you had more in you, right. those people are not your friends. This is mind-blowing that these, like, things you're talking about came out of Pinocchio. You know what I mean? Like, the topics, all the, the parallels, all that stuff. Because I walked away from Pinocchio just feeling good. <laughs> he, became, he became a real boy, you know, like, here we go. Um, he got it. He got it. And then when that's why when you sat down and told me this initially, I was just like, wait, what? Because you were like, it's the biggest tragedy in the world. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But he came. I'm like, I don't think he, Tommy saw the ending. He became a real boy. <laughs> and then you get to these points and he, I'm like. He missed the last he, 10 minutes. He cut it off. He fell asleep. But you just make this, you know. Parallel and, and I, I love that. And it's that. not just him in the story. Like when, like the story of Geppetto. Like okay, one. Let's stop. Like I've said this before, but like the the entire thing should be called "Holy crap, a talking cricket." <laughs> like let's let's just start. Like before before Pinocchio cricket, comes yeah. alive, there's a talking cricket in a top coat, a top hat, and a coat. 
like like Sounded he was like a cricket crickets. and he had clothes on and he talked. Let's start with that. What's right? weird about that? That's just yeah, let's, let's just start with that. So, but it is, but it does seem normal. And then here's like so the theory behind it is that you hear before you before you see Jiminy Cricket, you hear it. You hear him. He's the narrator. And so as the movie opens, it's like a, a scene of the village and it's showing like all the lights out and it's very cold. Uh, and, and he's talking about how he was looking for warmth. And you hear his voice and you get sort of like lulled into like, oh, this is uh, a, a, a voice that I'm familiar with. Right. And then they then they expose who's actually saying the voice. Right. Mm-hmm. It takes all of about 30 seconds for that to happen. You become so familiar with Jiminy Cricket in 30 seconds that when you see him, it's not shocking. Right. Well, that's how that's how we treat people in our actual lives. That that like if we treated like if I if I fail to treat you like the miracle that you are, like it's a miracle that you are here with us at LeadFest. Justin, Mark, Tommy. McKenzie, Andrew, all the fact that we're all here, like think of like it took a global pandemic to put this team together. Mm-hmm. No one saw that coming in June. No, absolutely not. No, no one saw that coming in January, March. Like Justin was moving to Atlanta with his wife for a new job, and that fell through because of the pandemic. And they were here, and so we were able to get him. You were working at another company, traveling the U.S. and based out of another state, and about to move to Houston and Dallas, Dallas. Yeah, 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 Texas, and so someplace in that big state <clears throat> I don't care about. And uh, <laughs> like you were going there. And that felt that didn't happen because of this, and because and so like it was a it was miraculous yeah. that you were even available to come be a part of this dream with us, right? And so the moment I fail to lose sight of that, I become familiar. If I get too familiar with you guys, right? If if I if I let myself get used to coming in every day and seeing you guys, like I came in this morning and I like fist bumped and hugged everybody. Yeah. Because I don't, I want to be intentional. I mean, that wasn't like just me walking into a room. I've walked in here many times, just said, hey, or just went to my office, grabbed a drink, whatever. I, this morning, in, intentionalized coming up the steps and saying and greeting everyone because I was coming in a little late because I was coming in for my thing. And um, I did that on purpose because I don't want to become too familiar. Because the moment you become familiar with something, you know, there's a saying that says familiarity breeds contempt. The moment you become familiar with something, you'll abuse it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, or take it for granted and gra- take it, taking something for granted is just sort of passive abuse. And so wow. I, I, I don't ever want to abuse you guys. Like I want to like always honor and acknowledge your presence and, and, and that you're here and that you're important <clears throat> to not just my dream, but our dream. Right. And so, um, but it only, it takes 30 seconds for us to do that with Jiminy in the story mm-hmm. 30 seconds so 30 seconds of hearing his voice made his appearance not important that's crazy to me that's crazy to me because that's how quickly as humans we internalize and rationalize not being impressed with other people wow and we should we should be look we should be fighting to do the opposite to to give honor and fighting to uh show respect and fighting to yeah, absolutely to value others especially in this day and age so um so those like so there's there's lessons to be learned in all the characters um my, maybe my favorite um is though out of all the story is geppetto because the story is not about pinocchio it's about geppetto one yeah yeah like pinocchio doesn't exist without this old man's desire like he just doesn't because the dream was fulfilled it, this was the entire story of pinocchio is geppetto's dream 
to have a real boy. To, well, to, to, not even to have a real boy, to have a son. Like, there's no indicator that Geppetto was disappointed that Pinocchio wasn't flesh and blood. Oh, yeah. Like, Pinocchio's dream was to be average. Geppetto's dream was just to have a son, and he got one. Yeah. And so he was happy. He was delighted. He sent, he, like, immediately sent Pinocchio out into the public to go to school, like, yeah. the next morning, right? And so there wasn't even... Which I feel like it was a little quick. <laughs> but, incredibly, but. incredibly quick. He's been on the planet six hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for school. Get Here's your an apple. To school. I need a break. <laughs> By the way, that's how being a dad feels sometimes. Absolutely. Moms make it look so easy. Six hours of being alone with your kid, and you're like, go to school. Oh, man. But I'm four. Pinocchio did it, and he was six hours exactly. old. You get to school. Uh, yeah, that's how it feels sometimes as a dad uh, because we're just not, I don't think, emotionally equipped I'm, to handle. I'm definitely not. Uh, think, think, and, 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 that, and that's not me being sexist because God bless women who like decide to go be beast at everything else except momming. But my wife is a tremendous mom, and yeah. I could not imagine having to do that role and be a dad. Like No, oh same gosh. for me. I mean, every weekend I get a little taste of what my wife does every week, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I going to make it to the end of the day? <laughs> Go to school. <laughs> this is why Monday is such an important day oh, yeah. for me. Oh, yeah. uh, so anyways, but like that's like that whole story is Geppetto's dream, right? It's, it's just all that it is. Um, and so and Geppetto is a great example to me, like, so we talk about all the time that like you'll hear us say all the time. If you're listening to this podcast, if you, if you're here in our office, we talk about the fact that excellence is always a strategy. Mm -hmm. Always. It's always a, a, the right strategy. Excellence is always what you should be doing at all times. Um, because even if it's not your dream, even if it's not what you want, go be doing excellent work because the excellent work does two things. One, it qualifies you for the dream because when, because people want to put responsibility and uh, authority and opportunity into the hands of people who are going to steward it well. And the way you prove that you can steward something well is being excellent with what you have. Mm -hmm. Right. So excellence is always a strategy. If you're, if you're stuck, your middle, your middle management, you want to get that promotion. You want to, you want a shot at the big boys table, uh, big girls table. You, you want to see yourself progress. The opportunity will come the opportunities always come because people don't live forever. So if you stay in one spot long enough, you're going to get an opportunity. The way you rise to the top and be granted the opportunity is by being excellent in the meantime with what you have. And Geppetto was doing that. You know, I don't know if you remember the story, but like quickly after we meet G Jiminy Cricket, we meet Geppetto. But like as Jiminy's walking <clears throat> around the house, as this little cricket's walking around, there's clocks everywhere. I was going to ask you about the clocks. Yeah. Yeah. So there's clocks everywhere. I mean, like he was a woodworker, right? And there's tables falling, like the work, the work has taken over. So he's obviously not like not selling according right. to demand. Mm -hmm. He's not, he's, he's not using basic economic principles about how much he should be making versus how much he can be selling. Right. Like he's just working because there's work to be done and he's being, he's excellent and he's refining his craft and you see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's evident. Even so much so that the entire village is asleep. Like, he's the only light on. He's the Tommy of his village. He's the Tommy of his village, maybe? I don't, I don't know. But the entire village is asleep, and here he is still up being excellent. Right. And he's just now finding time to get into his passion projects, the things that, like, make him happy. And he's, like, got this puppet he's working on. Um, and, and he is excellent at everything he does. And then he shows all, he, and that culminates in this thing that he's building 
in this puppet. And what he really wants is a, is a, is a son. And he's using what he has now to create a model of what he wants in the future. And that's great. That's just great advice. Like if you want to be an executive, use what you have now to create a model for what you want to be in the future. Like show care for people because that's what executives do. Um, if you're going to lead people, you've got to show care for them. Like be conscientious about getting your work done because executives have shareholders to listen to. Like you got to, you got to yeah, start building yeah. a model in the, in the processes and the things that you're in charge of now, start building a model for what is to come. And Geppetto was doing all of that. And when it came time for his dream to be given to him, the very thing that they used to, to the very thing they used to provide for that dream was the thing he had been working on, right? Mm -hmm. And so that excellence is always sort of the lattice work that the dream grows on. You can't, you know, you can't get something. Wow. Like, wh what would it have been? Like, like, think about this. If he would have just been working on clocks and working on clocks, and he was like, ah, whatever, it's 9 o'clock, I'm going to go to bed. And he never worked on his passion project, his side hustle. You know, every entrepreneur's got that side hustle yeah. they're working on. Um, I've got two. Like, if he wasn't working on his side hustle and being passionate about it and being excellent with his job, and then this fairy shows up to go, hey, I know you really want a son. Can you, uh, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to find that uh, puppet you've been working on. And he was like, oh, well, I was going to start that project, but I just, you know, I was sleepy. And I just never got, had he not been working with excellence when it came time for yeah. him to get the opportunity, he would have nothing for them to use. <laughs> Again, I just walked away from this feeling happy that Pinocchio became a boy, <laughs> <laughs> a real boy. That's crazy. I mean, like we have it. We're like, we're, by the way, we're three minutes into the movie at this point. And yeah, I know. Like this is, you know what I want to do? I'm going to let you finish. But <laughs> Okay, Kanye. I'm I just want to say that Disney has, I want to sit down and I want you to watch like three different Disney movies. And then I just want to be like, I just want to stop it. Okay, Tommy, tell me about this movie. Because I just want to hear like your takeaway from a Disney movie. Just a Disney movie. Because we're three minutes into Pinocchio and here you are with like this life-changing, you know, like advice and, and the, these like... Uh, like parables that you're making these, these modern day uh, parallels to stuff that but there's there's just so much there I mean there's just I mean like legitimately so much there um, but yeah so that's why I decided to write a book <laughs> um, because there's legitimately so much there and you know and, and and you start finding everybody's place it's not even just the people that like make your dream happen it's the people that surround you while you're waiting on the mm -hmm. dream that are important because there are two characters that like never get mentioned really again like there's figaro the the cat yeah. like that little black cat that he has and then what's the fish's name there's a fish uh, cleo uh, cleo yeah, yeah so figaro and cleo are like the they they didn't do anything for the dream. Like they don't even have opposable thumbs. They can't carve. You know, they can't. They can't participate. In Freeloaders. Yeah, yeah. They're there. They're just sucking up resources. But they. But they can't. They can't actively participate in the dream. Where they found value is that they kept Geppetto's spirits up while he waited. They were someone to talk to, and mm -hmm. you know, we don't know anything about Geppetto, like other than he was old. But so we don't know why he wanted a son. Like, think about all that. Like, we don't know why Geppetto wanted a son. Maybe it, why he didn't have one. Like his, this is a, even, this is the best part. And we'll, we can, we, we'll get 25 minutes in. So we can, we can kind of end on this thought. But like, cause this is what I think is the best part about the whole thing is that Geppetto had a dream that for him was impossible. 
because he was mi- he was missing the prerequisite other half of that. He didn't have the plumbing for his dream. Like he didn't he, he can't have a baby by himself. Right. And so he didn't he didn't have the other half of the prerequisites for that. Um, but he was a man, and he was employed. He owned his own business. He was, by all accounts, a successful entrepreneur. Sure. Yeah. Right. Why? Why didn't he just go? Like the thing that was an impossible dream for him was commonplace for everybody else in his village. Mm-hmm. Even like so, we start looking at people and we go, "Well, why don't they just go get that?" Like that's not even hard. Lots of people do that. For some people, dreams are impossible that would be easy for you. Yeah. Right. I, I've got family that like they their dream would be like something that I could probably do in a week, you know, but then that would be like a lifelong, like bucket list item for them to get yeah. this dream, dream to happen, you know, but like that, because I have a different set of resources or I have a different set of capabilities, I can go do this thing. And we, we judge people based on the scope of their dream instead of the scope of their abilities. What we need to be is more like Cleo and uh, Figaro, Figaro, where if you're in relationship, it's not your job to judge the dream. It's just your job to encourage them yeah. until it happens. Um, but his dream was impossible. We don't know. Like maybe, maybe, you know, Geppetto was, you know, a miser. Maybe he was like, maybe he had crippling social anxiety. I like to think of all the light things he could be. Maybe like he, when girl, like he was like uh, the guy on big bang theory and he couldn't talk to women. Oh yeah. Like maybe he yeah. was Rajesh. And so, like, anytime, <laughs> like, right, right, maybe, maybe anytime, like, he was like Kuthra Pali. And so, anytime some, a woman came in to, like, oh, I need to buy a new clock for a gift, he just couldn't talk. He just stood in the corner till they, like, put money on the counter and then he, and they, they left, yeah. right? And then maybe he just had crippling social anxiety and he couldn't talk to women. And so, being married was something that was never on the table. Maybe, oh, maybe, like, they lived in a community where they had whales that would eat people. I mean, because if you have you seen the movie, that's what, what happens. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Um, and so, but like maybe like his wife and he had a baby boy. Maybe they got lost at sea and eaten by a shark or something. Like I don't, wow. I don't. So like, so maybe like he had some personal tragedy yeah. in his life that stunted his emotional growth, and so he could never like get over the hump. And what he really wanted to be was a dad, but he just couldn't give his heart to another woman to make that happen. Yeah. Maybe like so maybe he had some emotional like. And we, but these are all, by the way, things that everyone experiences. Yeah. Some emotional trauma that keeps them from trying hard or um, putting their heart on the line or their effort on the line or their op- for another opportunity because they were scared they're going to fail. Uh, you know, or they've got anxiety about trying and whether or not they'll be succeed, how they're going to be, uh, you know, welcomed or greeted. How, how are they going to be perceived if they fail? Like all those things. Um, maybe, and this is maybe like the thing that I struggle with the most is maybe he had worked all his life. And, you know, in that day and age, if you didn't have a son to carry on the family business, when you couldn't work anymore, you couldn't earn anymore. Oh, yeah. So so maybe that explains why he'd made so many clocks. Maybe his arthritis was getting bad and he had to make enough inventory well, could, to yeah. last yeah. until his hands gave out on him and he realized he didn't have enough. Maybe he did the math and he said, my resources aren't enough. And if my dream doesn't come true, if I don't get a son, I could die. Maybe it was a matter of life and death. Wow. Like, so that, why, why want something so badly? You know, it's got to be important. Um, and as an entrepreneur, it feels like that all the time, that everything's a matter of life and death. Like, I've done the math. We've got 90 days of resources. And if our dream doesn't happen, this dream dies. Mm-hmm. Like, this thing that we built dies. Like, that's, that's a huge thing, right? And then all he knew to do was in the meantime keep doing what he's doing with excellence. Like keep using excellence as a strategy, given just 
keep keep putting the wish out into the universe. Like that's what he did. He just kept saying, "I just want to, I just want a boy. I just want a boy. I want a, I want a son. I want a son. I want a son." The same way we come in every day and go, "All right, we want a successful company. We we want us we want a company that inspires people and generates joy in people's lives and helps them see that they can accomplish incredible things. We want that. We want that. And until that happens, we're going to keep doing what we know to do, which we're going to keep teaching with excellence." We're going to keep doing podcasts. We're going to keep putting out content. We're going to keep trying to inspire people. We're going to keep coaching. We're going to keep walking alongside each other until that happens. And when it happens, we'll be ready for it because that's the only thing we know to do. It's the only option that we have. We were missing whatever prerequisite parts. So maybe it's like we need a million dollars in funding. That's the other half. And we don't have that. We'll we'll just have to do it without that. Maybe it's, you know, we have crippling anxiety about putting out the truth and say, hey, we're, you know, we're a small company, so we try to appear bigger. Like, we're not. We're just five of us. We say that over and over. Um, we're not trying to be anything that we're not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all we know to do is to continue loving our dream the best we can love it, stewarding our dream the yeah. best that we can steward it, and then pushing forward with excellence. And it's really our hope for all you guys that that's what you do with all your dreams. Yeah. I don't, I feel weird hitting that button. Don't don't like feel weird. Bow, bow. Maybe maybe we just need to preload like a, a sadder, more somber. Okay, I'm, we're already there. We're, we're there. there. I yeah. just I faded it up. I mean, like honestly, though, at the end of the day, like we should have happy music. This is like it was a very intense, like serious ending. But but because it should be. Yeah. Because you should know that you can go accomplish all that you right. want to accomplish. No, that's true. Um. Yeah, so that's great. Um, I I'm trying to transition with you, man. That's 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 good. Um, we have a podcast. I mean, we have. <laughs> You're watching the podcast. You're we listening do have to a it. podcast. Uh, we have an Instagram, and our handle is at leadfastco. We also have, we're also on Facebook. Um, check out our website, leadfastco.com, and there's plenty of resources there that you can uh, like peruse through. There's a lot of good content with a lot of great talks and discussions like this one. Yeah, you got any connects at Disney Legal? Tell them to hit us up. Yeah. want to use their book name. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time.